I've enjoyed these past several weeks as we have been um, talking about um, how we share the gospel. It's been very helpful. Um, in fact, Abby yesterday came home, was it yesterday or Friday, something like that. She came home and said, I tried that out. That we talked about, about telling our story. Um, so I asked her, I said, did you go to somebody and say, hey, look, can I tell you a story about what Christ has done for me? I remember trying that out just in the narthex as we practiced and thinking about how do we do that, you know, from day to day as we encounter people. Um, and it's been wonderful to see different ways to share um, God's gospel and to feel more comfortable in doing so. It's good to intentionally give time to think about that, to practice that. Um, and so that's been on my mind. And especially that idea of sharing our story. And as we looked even into scripture and we saw different stories of people in the book of Acts or in John, people who encountered Christ or people who encountered some of the apostles and they received the gospel. Um, just those many different stories have just stood out to me and, and how they are different, how they are unique. And yet in how the gospel is the same that calls them and that beckons them. And with that, um, I've been thinking about that even for tonight as I was preparing to share. And I think my two passages will come from two different books of John. So we had read from 1 John, and I also want to look at um, John, uh, the Gospel of John as well uh, later on. As I prepared for this message, I, I prepared in a different way than usual. Usually, um, well, I've been kind of working on my process, but usually I go kind of straight to my tablet and I uh, work with my couple of uh, Bible apps there. I love the YouVersion Bible app. It's one where I just read and I highlight, and um, I make a lot of use of that one really mostly through the week. And then the Blue Letter uh, Bible is one that I use a lot when I want to study. And there's all sorts of resources, commentaries, and um, uh, just sermons even in there. And you can find all kinds of sermons from all kinds of people. And so it's just wonderful, a wonderful resources. There's the Strong's resource, Concordance resource, where I can find out what is this, what is this word in the, um, in the Greek or in the Hebrew and so forth. And so it's really uh, helpful. But this time as I was preparing, I did something different. I grabbed a physical Bible. This big thing right here. And on the front, it says the word. This Bible is not one that I bought. Actually, this summer, as I was traveling around with Abby and we enjoy our summer's office teachers, and that's a needed time. If I can just say that, man, teachers, we need that whole summer off. Once you get to it, you're like, I need every single week that is here. Um, but we were traveling and it's usually a time where we can visit family. Um, so we were passing through Chicago and we usually try and stop, uh, stop in with my grandparents. And so we stopped in, um, and I think they were eating lunch, lunch at the time, um, but my grandfather um, pulled out this Bible. He's like, hey, I've been uh, wondering who to give this to. And he said basically he had given it to my, he had used it for a time, and then he had given it to my uncle, my uncle Mozzie, who was a minister for um, several years of his, of his life. But when my uncle Mozzie um, finished up in the ministry and kind of um, left the ministry, he gave the Bible back to his father, my grandfather. And so granddad's like, well, now it's back with me, but my goal is for it to be passed on. So he said to me, would you, would you want this? And he kind of left it there. He's like, you know, I don't want to just give it to you and assume that you want it, but would you want it? 
And it kind of sat there and I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm looking through it. It's actually not the kind of Bible that I would typically use. It has in bold the King James. And then underneath that, it'll have several translations. You can find some of the Tyndale translations, some old translations, um, and then also some modern translations. And they're all there underneath. And so verse by verse on any given page, you may only uh, get to about 15 verses because there's so many other translations of each verse underneath, which gives different perspectives. Um, so as I was flipping through it, it wasn't the content of the Bible that drew me to it. So in the end, I did tell my grandfather, I said, I do want it. But it wasn't the content of the Bible in itself and how it was put together. It was the story. Right? I connected to the story there. This is one that he gave to my uncle because my uncle was going into ministry. And that my uncle felt like he shouldn't keep in leaving ministry. And that he, my grandfather now, wanted to give to somebody who was in some form of ministry. And so my taking it from him is there's this an assumption of there is ministry that's going to happen in your life. And this Bible, I want to be connected with that. It was the story. And I think about that. That story is really um, how we live. We are people of story. Even yesterday as we gathered to celebrate Ron's life, right? The thing that we were so drawn to as everybody, different people stepped up here and they shared, they shared stories. And those stories brought out different aspects of Ron, his humor, his unstoppableness, so many different things. But it was the stories where we remembered him. And honestly, if you think about it, if you take away the stories, do you have the life? Not really. So there's something valuable in the story. James K.A. Smith, um, who talks about Christian education in a lot of the books that he writes, says this about story. He says, if and he talks about Christian education in this quotation. But he says, if Christian education, and you could put in that place ministry, Christian ministry. If Christian education is going to have a future, it needs to be attractive. That pull won't come from arguments or activities, but by the stories we tell. By the stories we live. By the invitations that are extended by the better stories created. And in that, what he's saying is, is there's this appeal, this natural appeal, this natural attraction that comes when we tell a story or when we're involved in a story. Sarah Arthur um, writes in a, I think this is more of a chapter of a larger book about stories and, 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 uh, and the faith. She says, we are a story formed people. Our lives are first shaped by narrative, not by information. We don't learn how to live the Christian life by memorizing facts, rules, precepts, morals, imports, exports, governments, and drains. We begin to see ourselves as part of a pattern within the larger story of redemption. We long to live a life worthy of that story. So story, I think, is important. And this is why for me, as we've been learning, how do we share the gospel? The story has stood out to me. And that, that practice, that simple practice that um, Levi walked us through of how do we share our own story is, is really very key. 
So I want to talk about that. And in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, he starts off this letter to the church in this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. I think there's a story there. I want to think today really about that. Let's pray and we'll go in. Father, we thank you so much for your word and that your word is alive. Your word does have facts. Your word does have law. Your word does have information, but your word, Lord, is alive and it is even more than that then. Lord, your word tells us your story and how your story has touched our world and people in our world throughout generations from the very beginning. And God, I pray that as you open up your word for us today, that we would see where our story connects with yours and that we would embrace telling that story with the world and with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think my first point, I want to talk about how the apostles and people in scripture, they experienced Christ. And that experience, by that I really mean the story that they had, the story that they lived. They experienced Christ. Um, first of all, the apostles experienced Christ. When, when John is writing here, he says, that which we have heard. So they heard Christ. As basic as that is, they heard him. And when I think about this, we've been in the young men's Bible study reading in Mark. And we've seen in Mark 1 and in Mark 2, where Jesus comes up to different ones and he initially calls them, right? And one of the first things that he does when he calls them is he says, follow me. And in that, they're hearing. They're hearing from Christ. And they're hearing Christ calling them into his story. They're hearing Christ calling them to experience him. They're hearing him. That which we have heard John and all the other apostles had at some point been called by Christ. That which we have heard. Not only have they been called by him, but they've heard him preach. They've heard him teach, right? And then they also were able to gather with him privately and have him break down some of these things that he taught that they didn't quite understand. That which we have heard. They heard Christ. Not only did they hear him, that which we have seen with our eyes, they saw him, right? That was something, that's something that we today were like, man, if only we could see him, that would be amazing. And someday we will see him, right? And we look forward to that. But for the apostles, they saw him with their eyes. That which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes. And let's not just pass over that, right? How did they see him? So many different ways in which they saw him. One, they just saw him in everyday life where they could even ask him, where do you live? Where do you stay? And Christ says, come and see. They saw him walk on water and that was astounding. And that was also something that was a little bit nerve wracking. They saw him transfigured and glorious there with Moses and Elijah. They saw him preach. They saw him do miracles. They saw him with their eyes. He says, that which we have looked upon. It's a little bit different. That's a little bit deeper than just seeing. 
have this idea of fixing their eyes on him. This idea of looking for something and pondering that which we have looked upon and considered. For this, it even, um, I don't know, part of what comes to my mind with this, and this may not be what John means, but I picture them even looking at Christ on the cross, that which we have looked upon, right? In this sense of considering, what does this mean? That which we have looked upon. And then Christ, when he rises from the dead and they look upon him again, right? And Christ even says, look. That which we have looked upon. He moves on from that, that our hands have handled. Our hands have handled. Now think about Thomas, who was doubting. And he says, unless I see him again, and unless I feel him, I'm not going to believe. And Christ shows up to Thomas and he says, here, feel me. Reach your hand here. Feel me. Our hands have handled. He says of the word of life. I would almost expect him to go Jesus Christ, but he doesn't say that. He says of the word of life. He's made this connection to all of his experiences with Christ as the word of life. Think also, um, not just about the apostles, but I also think about um, others that we see in scripture. Say Simon, or sorry, not Simon, I believe it's Simeon. So if we go to Luke chapter two, another man who saw Christ, who in fact was waiting all of his life to see Christ. So in Luke chapter two, verses 25 to 35, we see this man. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and the blessed and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is a man who has been waiting for this and knowing I'm not gonna pass till I see your salvation. And now he says, I've seen it. When I've seen this baby boy, mine eyes have seen in this baby boy, your salvation. That which we have seen with our eyes. And he testifies about this word of life that is now born in flesh. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon, who is waiting, waiting to see God's salvation, waiting to see the word of life, he sees. 
right? And it's not lost on me again to repeat that this man that they saw, this child that Simeon saw is the word of life. He's the salvation of God. So they had real experiences with Christ. They had a story where they experienced him that they then could tell others about. And in fact, that are being told and retold in scripture and by us. This is revealed then for us. Not only did they have these experiences though, secondly, they shared their experiences. They shared their experiences. When we think about the apostles um, and early, early believers, they shared the experiences that they had. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four gospels, where they share the experiences that people had with Christ. The story is important. And even in writing these stories, right, they tell us why they write them. Luke chapter one, verses one to four. We're right over in Luke, so we can just go one chapter back. When Luke is writing, he says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things. Not just one, not just two, not just three, not just a few, but many have taken in hand to tell the things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses they saw. And ministers of the word, ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding, seemed good to me also. I'm gonna join this group of people that are telling their experiences. I'm gonna join this group of people that are telling the story of God. I'm gonna join them. It seems good to me. Also, I don't need to stop because other people have done it. I want to join that. Seem good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Why? That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There's a reason. And there's a, something that he's doing there. He's going to share and he's going to share with a purpose. Not him only, if we look to the end of the book of John. John chapter 21. As, as John has finished up his entire gospel, right? And he's now tying a bow around it at the end. He has this to say in his last two verses. He tells a last story about one of his last interactions with Christ. And then after telling that story, he says, This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, if every story should be told, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Their experiences, they told, they shared them. And then again, not just the apostles, not just the disciples, right? But others who experienced Christ. Think about the woman at the well in John 4, right? When we look at her story and we have looked at her story over these, um, over these past weeks and in, in her doing, in her finding Christ and in her interacting with him in John chapter four. And I do want to turn there. Look at just a few of those verses starting, I think at verse 28,
So Jesus has been in this conversation with the woman at the well, and he's reaching toward the end of that conversation. And in verse 28 says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come, see a man which told me all the thing, all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? What's she doing there? But telling them her experience. She's telling them her story. And in telling them her story, she's inviting them to come and see him for, them, for themselves. And so they do come. We drop down. And it tells us in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me that all, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days and many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, that which we have heard and seen, declare we unto you. We have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. They shared their experiences, not her only. Look at Luke chapter eight, verses 35 to 39. Luke chapter eight. This is the man that Jesus cast demons out of him. And of course, those demons, then they beg to be, to go into the pigs and then they go into the pigs and the pigs cast themselves into the sea and then those, they're ruined. And the town comes back to Christ. So in verse 35 here, it says, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. This is one of the few places where Jesus goes that is more dominated by a Gentile population than a Jewish population. It's really interesting. But now they see this man in his right mind and they're scared. And they also which saw it told them by what means he was possessed of the devils. He that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. Yes, this is very sad. That they pushed Jesus away when they encountered him in this situation. For they were taken with great fear. They were too afraid. Too afraid to have Jesus around. They were taken with great fear and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with them. He says, I want to stay with you, Jesus. But Jesus sent him away. And what does Jesus tell him to do? He says, return to thine own house. Go home and show how great things God hath done unto thee. Tell your experience. The people of this town are a little too freaked out to have Jesus around. But Jesus does have somebody to share the gospel. He does have someone to tell them what God has done. And he says, you need to stay here so you can tell others of your experience. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. That's interesting. Jesus was pushed away from the town, but the town still gets to hear the wonderful works of God because there's a man there who can tell what God has done in his life. And I think that that's not unusual to our world today. There are people who may shut out Christ, but we may be able to reach into those places where they may be shutting out Christ. Telling 
of our experiences, just as this man does. They shared their experiences. That is so important because this is the way that that gospel goes forth in this town. Not only that, you look at Lazarus. Lazarus, after he's brought back from the dead, Jesus goes back to the house to visit them. And as he's back in the house, the Bible tells us that people were gathering, not just because Jesus was around, but because they were like, hey, we want to see Lazarus again. This dude is back from the dead. They're probably wanting to see what is his skin like? I mean, is he really? What's going on here? Brother, what was that like? They want to find out, right? And I don't think that Lazarus was silent. I think he did some speaking. And so it tells us in John chapter 12, look at John chapter 12, verses 9 to 11. You don't need to turn there. says, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And when and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed. Believed on Jesus. And his just being a living testimony of what God had done, people were leaving a false faith and believing on Christ because of his experience with Christ. This is the power of the testimony that God gives us and we should tell our story over and over again. One person who did that was Paul. When you look at Paul, even at the end of his life, and Paul, and if you look at Acts 26, I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but the story is in the whole chapter. Acts 26 is the last three chapters of the book of Acts. And Paul is standing before Agrippa and he's about to give his testimony again. And he's on trial, but he's going to take the opportunity of this trial to share something that he's told over and over and over and over and over again. So it says, then Agrippa said to Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered. Actually, probably stretched forth both hands kind of like this because he's bound and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Why is Paul beseeching him to hear him patiently? Because he's about to tell a story. He's about to go long. He says, my manner of life and from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. They know how I used to live. He's starting into his story, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most strict, after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly served God, serving God day and night hope to come. So he's told about what he used to be. And he's starting into his story. He's dropping down to verse nine. He says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's telling his story, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. He's telling the ugliness of where he's come from. And when, they were put to, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. 
Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. It's in the middle of the day. This is like the brightest point of the day. And he's like, there's a brighter light that's shown. He's telling his story. He says, and when they were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice, that which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon. Right? I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things into which I will appear unto thee, unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul has given his testimony. He has shared his experiences. What a wonderful thing. And then from this, he, tells, he says to Agrippa, I was, not, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, he's told his story. And then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me, having therefore obtained, and now he's getting back to the trial, <laughs> um, obtained help of God. I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which prophets, the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And now he's really breaking down the gospel for him. The person who's hearing him speak and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles, right? And so then Paul is challenged on this and he's like, look, I'm not going crazy. And he says, look, Agrippa, you know, because do you believe the prophets? And so he says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? In verse 27, I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And how does Paul do this persuading? But by telling his story. He is sharing his experiences with Christ because there is a story there because Christ is, his relationship with Christ is the gospel. It's a story. So not only, right, did they experience Christ, not only did they share those experiences, but through those experiences, there is an invitation. Through those experiences, there is an invitation. When we look back at 1 John, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, seen with our eyes, looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested unto, unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why? That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. He's sharing it so that there can be fellowship. He's sharing the story so that there can be fellowship with one another here so that there can be fellowship. He says, if there's going to be fellowship with one another here, it has to be with the father because our fellowship is with the father. 
So the telling of this story, the telling of the things that we have seen, the things that we have heard, now declaring that to other people brings us into fellowship with them, but really brings them into fellowship with the Father, with God. That is what he is after in sharing of all this. There is an invitation in his story. And as I've been thinking about this, um, it's kind of a side note, but I think it's very important when I think about how we share the gospel. We cannot separate our story from the gospel. Our story is connected with the gospel. God puts his name on us, right? And in doing so, we are now connected. And we can glorify God in that, or we can distract from God in that. This um, past week at my school, we brought in a man who's a Native American minister. And our children were able to hear from him. And one of the things that we wanted to hear him share about is why is the community so closed to the church? Why is the community so closed to the gospel? And what he said, he said, if you imagine if in your story, the people who have taken you from your home are people who have the name of Christ and the people who then change your whole culture and change your whole way of life comes from people who have the name of Christ. And then those same people or people who also claim the name of Christ then tell you to be saved. Are you gonna be ready to hear the gospel from them? And we had to ponder that. That there are offenses that people bearing the name of Christ have committed. And we, in that, can become a distraction from someone experiencing Christ to where now his job as a minister of the gospel is to help Native Americans realize that that was done to you may have been done, quote unquote, in the name of Christ, but that was not Christ. But he has to help them to separate this that should not have ever been connected to the name of Christ. So I think about this when John says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may also, ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father. Is our fellowship truly with the Father? Is our fellowship truly with the Father? When we share the gospel, we must understand that we must be calling them into a fellowship with the Father, but mine first has to be there. And it must be there truly. John can say our fellowship truly is with the Father. Can we? Because when we share the gospel, we share it out of the story that we have lived. We share it out of the experiences that we have had and that we continue to have and should continue to have. He says our fellowship is, present tense, not just was, those things that we have seen, past tense, those things that we have, um, have heard, right? Those things, past tense. But he says present tense, our fellowship is with the Father. Jesus has already ascended up into heaven and he has a continuing fellowship with the Father. Is our fellowship with the Father continuing? And is it true? Is it honest? Because it is possible for a believer to get off from God in a way. Not in a way that makes them cast out from God, but in a way that does confuse now that connection with God. We see this in Simon Peter when Jesus is saying, I'm about to go to the cross. And Simon says, no, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. In that moment, Peter's words were not operating off of a fellowship with the Father. 
Think about the sons of thunder also speaking to Jesus when they're like, this town, this Samaritan town didn't accept you, Jesus. You want us to call down fire on it? Because that's what Elijah did. And maybe we should do the same thing. And Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you are of. In other words, God's spirit was not in what you were saying just now. And it's possible that even in walking with Christ, we can be off from time to time. Not only that, you look at Simon, who used to be a sorcerer, who in the book of Acts, he sees, wow, there's a whole lot of power happening here. Maybe I can pay and get this power. And Peter has to say to him, whoa, you stand in condemnation. Basically, again, you're of the wrong spirit. Is our fellowship truly with the Father? Let's be careful. Because when we share the gospel... How we are fellowshipping with the Father is on display and does affect how that story is received. So I want to then begin to bring this to a close. Um, when I read 1 John and he says, that which we have seen, heard, handled, I was talking with Abby's brother, Simon, who was with us uh, couple, uh, yesterday and the day before. Um, and I just asked him, does that apply to us? Is that like, should that be our experience? Hands have handled. We've heard, seen with our eyes and looked upon. And as I see it, and as we were talking, I don't feel that those words really apply to us. They apply to the apostles. They saw him. And if Christ does choose to show up for us in physical form and we see him, it's not impossible for God to do that. But generally speaking, that applies to the apostles and those that experienced Christ on earth. And they have now given us their testimony. And we find that testimony in the word of God. And in their doing so, now we have fellowship with them. And in having fellowship with them, we have fellowship with the Father. So I think that this aspect of hands have handled, heard, seen with our eyes, doesn't necessarily apply to us. But I think that the same pattern applies to us. What we have experienced, we're passing on. What we have experienced, we're passing on. So has the word come alive for you? Because he says, of the word of life. We sang that song, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words. Words of life and beauty. Teach us faith and duty. Wonderful words of life. Has the word come alive to you? Jesus says, the words I speak are spirit and life. Is it alive to me? John says when he starts his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Has the word come alive for you? Has it come alive for us? So then the thing that I want to remind us and think of have us think of as we close. And we have opportunity this week, maybe even as we gather with friends and family. There's an opportunity to share the ways in which the word is alive today for us. A way for us to share where we truly have now our fellowship with the Father. And that in sharing it, the purpose of our sharing it is to invite others into fellowship with the Father. It's not lost on us that John is writing this, this, this epistle, not to those who don't believe, but this epistle, this letter that he's writing, and he's saying, these things we're sharing with you so that your fellowship is with us and with the Father. 
He's writing to believers. And it's important as believers to share with one another so that our fellowship continues to be with the Father and with one another. And yes, also we should share that with those who are not believers. So as we gather, whoever we gather with and whatever place of faith or disbelief that they are in, sharing our story, take your story where the word is alive to you, where you have experienced him, where you in your own way have handled, seen, heard him. Share that their fellowship may be with you. Your fellowship is truly with the Father. Let's close in prayer, and then we'll prepare for um, communion. Father, we thank you for your word, again, as it is alive. We thank you that through your word, we still interact with you. We hear you. Through your word, yes, we see you. Maybe not with our eyes, but we see you with eyes of faith. And we touch you. And Lord, we can tell of the experiences that you have given us. God, I pray that you would in us be renewed in this lively experience that we have with you. That this week even, Lord, we would continue this real fellowship with you, the Father. And I pray that you will prepare us, Lord, for interactions that we may have so that we are prepared to share with them, Lord, our story. For the purpose that their fellowship may be with us and our fellowship truly is with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to prepare for our communion. So I'll read from our passage. I always struggle to remember the passage. I think it's 1 Corinthians 11. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Paul is again writing about what we're doing here. And also see the fellowship that we are remembering when we take of communion. So find my spot. Yes, in verse 23, he says, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And we'll prepare and take bread now. And as we, they come forward, I do want to remind us that this is a meal, right? And in this meal, Christ says, remember me. And he's reminding us of the story that he has lived and the story that we are a part of. And if you are a part of that story, right, if you have placed your faith in Christ, 